Yeah, I love that. I was asking him this morning, like, you have to warm up or you just fall out of bed doing that. Because I think even if I warmed up, that is never coming out of these fingers. So, well, can I borrow the guitar, though, and at least just try one? No, I'm just, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. You know, as, as I listened to that, as I was thinking about that, I, I can't teach you to play like that with your fingers. But I do have a tip for you this morning that you can use your hand for. Because as we've done this series, Adventures with God, we've kind of been talking about this, this ancient time in history that God went on a wilderness journey with his people. And that part of that was helping them understand how to get out of the wilderness, how to find him in this tent that he had given them, this tabernacle where he was showing that he was their warrior king, that he was with them, and that he would guide them out of the wilderness. And one of the things that you hear when you hear stories about people who get lost in the wilderness is there are like two critical things that go wrong. They lose sense of direction, but they also lose sense of time. So if the sun is going down, it's about to get more dangerous as animals come out. It's about to get colder, and you start to face the elements more than you do during the day. And people have no sense of time. Like, is the sun going up? Is the sun going down? How long was I was out? Where, where am I? What do I do? And so you can actually use your hand, your fingers, for a simple trick when you're out in the wilderness to figure out how much time until sundown that you have to make shelter, find food, find heat. And so what they say is that if you, if you hold up your hand, and you don't have to do this, the person behind you is going to think you're strange, but if you ever have to do this, it's like each finger counts for about 15 minutes. So that all together, your fingers equal about an hour of time until the sun goes down. So, so here's how you do that. If you hold so that your index finger lines up with the bottom of the sun, and then count down to your pinky until you get to the horizon. So if there's only two, you'd only have half an hour. But let's say that you've got space like this. You can do the other hand, keep counting. Right? A full hand would be 60 minutes. Two hands would give you two hours. You know you have two hours, which means you better get to work, right? <laughs> You're running out of time. You better start, and you better start right now. And so as we're sharing our time today... Ken Kington is here as our guest, and he's going to be sharing some of the ways that, not just when we're lost in the wilderness and we're looking at the sun, but in our lives, what are some of those things that we're looking at where I need to get started right now? Wow. Well, I am fairly certain that uh, Eddie Van Halen took lessons from Mike. Um, that was amazing, and, and Sammy Hagar has nothing on Melissa. Uh, she's actually going to be headlining the uh, Van Halen reunion tour. I'm kidding, but she could. Um, I love that song, and it reminded me not only of my, my youth growing up, but it really did that, that right now. That is exactly where I am living in our chaos of society right now, is Lord, help me live in the moment, live with you in the moment. Uh, my kids, my oldest one's about to get married. My second son is in the middle of pilot training. And my daughter's a senior in high school. I'm like, Lord, I don't want to miss this. And even in the chaos of that, my youngest has gotten in some trouble. I'm like, Lord, I want to be there. Whatever I need to do to be right now. And, it, it, and I'm trying to live that every day. Thursday, I was in Hilton Head. Um, I was doing a show down there. And that next morning, I had to get up pretty early to get home. I had a lunch I had to be at. 
But I had my, I wake up, I read my chapter of the Bible, and I'm like, Lord, help me to just really focus on you today. And I, I want to walk with you every day, draw near to you. And as I'm walking through that, um, I try to get a workout. I'm like, Lord, do I even have a time for a workout? And I kind of did. It was super early in the morning. Um, he woke me up before my alarm, which was really early anyway. So I read, and I'm like, okay, I've got time. So I'm walking to the workout. I said, where's your workout room? And they told me. And as I'm walking there, this is, this is drawn near to God. I'm like, Lord, do I, how much time should I do? And, all, and I sense God going, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to work out, and I'm thinking i got to work out. And he's like, you're at the beach in Hilton Head, South Carolina, and it's hard sand. Why, why would you run staring at a wall or worse, staring at a mirror when, when you could be in creation? I'm like, that's brilliant. So I go out, and the sun's not up yet, but it's starting to be light. And I go out on the beach, and there's other people walking up and down. But as I start to run, I think, Lord, I get to see this beauty, and I get to see a sunset. But as I'm running, I see a guy, and he's sitting there, kind of wrapped up in a chair with his laptop, facing away from the ocean. And I'm thinking, what are you doing here? And, and as I ran up, I'm thinking, he's, he, he's missing it. So I ran my mile and a half and hit my mark, and I start running back, and it had started to happen. The clouds were like a range of mountains on the horizon, and the sun had not come up, but it started to shoot through the clouds. It was one of the most stunning sunrises, and I'm a sunset kind of guy, so I don't see a lot of sunrises, and I'm just in awe. And I'm like, Lord, you are just showing off now. This is all. And people are standing there taking pictures of, of that. And, I, and right then I run past the guy again. And he's on his laptop facing the trees and the condos. And I, I wanted so badly to go, dude, you're missing it. Turn around. It's right there. And I'm afraid that in our chaos right now, a lot of us, and I'm at the top of the list, are missing what God is doing in our chaos right now because it is, it is crazy. And I don't know everything that's going on in Cincinnati, but you're an American. I'm sure you're hearing this. That When did it happen that, that we have to draw lines about everything? And that we have to, if we don't agree, I have to hate you. If we don't agree on everything, and is it mass, no mass, backs, no mask, in, out, up, down, uh, and, and it, there's something just chaotic. But here's what I'm going to just encourage you as we dive in this morning of, I'm starting to ask the question, what is the motives? Now for the last two plus months, almost two and a half or three months now, I quit watching TV. I quit listening to news. Because I don't know about you, but I couldn't listen for three minutes without just getting totally enraged on one side or another. I'm like, enough. But can I tell you, it's not new. As I've been reading through the Bible, you go to the Old Testament, there was a bunch of deranged leaders and decaying and, and decadent societies demanding submission. And it's not new, but it's new to us, at least at this level. I'm like, Lord, how do I live in the moment? Right now with you, what do you want to accomplish? What are you wanting to show? And can I tell you as I've done that, I've, I've experienced more peace in the midst of chaos. I'm starting to see with more clarity what's really going on. And, and it's not that I'm not reading. I read more than I've read ever. And, but I'm reading actual documentation and, and studies. And I'm, I'm marking who am I going to listen to? 
And I'm talking about the head of medicine at Harvard, and I'm talking about the head of, of different areas. And I'm like, wow, this is so different. And uh, I'm going to give you one insight. What, what, what I heard three months ago on the media and what is actually happening, what is the difference, is very different. And who am I listening to? But most of all, I'm like, Lord, what, what do you want me to hear? What do you want me to learn in this? Now, marry that, and I'm going to put these two together, because Chad had told me, hey, here's the series, it's the great adventure, and life is an adventure, and what God did with them, he's wanting to do with us, and, and I see that, but he said, it's kind of a camping theme. And I'm like, I was with you till camping. Uh, I am not a camper. Uh, camping for me, hotel versus a motel, okay, that's, that's camping. But my kids loved it. And my wife said, come on, it's only once a year, it's for one day, come on. And their friends and their parents, they camped and they're like, so okay. I'm like, you know, I, I'll do it for you. Now here's camping. Now you're going to laugh. If you're a camper, you're going to go, that's not camping. But we would go eat lunch and then we'd drive to this park, this uh, state park, about 45, 50 minutes away from our house. And we'd get a little campsite and you paid for it and you had the, and we'd, we'd set up the tent. But what happened in this transition, we'd set up the tent, and they would set up their tent, and there was this cove, and the kids would swim, and then they would get sticks, and we would prepare for that night, which is going to be a campfire. So they'd get sticks, and we'd have a blast swimming, and then we would just get sticks, play games, and just unwind. And the cell coverage was basically non-existent, and we would cook hot dogs and uh, on sticks over a fire, and then do s'mores, and and the sun would go down, and what happened in that time was actually pretty incredible. Uh, we lost track of all the distractions, and we reeled, really dialed into just being with each other in the moment. And the, the part that I didn't like was the whole sleeping, because you, there's no level ground in camping. And there's always a root right in the middle of my back. And my wife didn't understand the concept of a tent. She goes, oh, it's a six-person, and there's only five of us. And I'm like, that means if you were like sardines, you could fit six people in there. And halfway through the middle of the night, I would always end up in the back of the truck and sleep for the rest of the night. And then we'd wake up. But that was probably my second favorite because you, you can't fake waking up. And everybody is just real. And my favorite part of camping was we would wake up, strike the camp, and go to the lodge for the buffet breakfast. That was my favorite part of camping. And in that camping, though, it, you, you learn to just be real. And in this time of being real, I, I hope this morning we will see God's motives. Because as I've looked in our society, motives are just all over the place. And you can see a lot through those motives. But what is God's motive? Because if we see these motives, then we're going to see in this adventure how to live life to the fullest. His first motive is that we would encounter him in the midst of this. I would, I would define it this way, that we would see clearly who Jesus is. And why did he come? And he told us. Point blank, really simply, in John chapter 10, verse 10 Jesus makes it very clear. He's like, hey, here's why I came. He says this, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly or to the full. 
So when we're, we're checking out God, realize his motive is not about him. His motive is no matter what station or circumstance our world is in of chaos or non-chaos or promise and decay, his is like, I want you to have life eternal, but also to the full. I want you to have the fullest life possible. And, and, and I don't want us to miss this life that God has for us and the motive that he has for us in this, to see Jesus for who he really was. Because what I, if you don't know Christ, if you don't know God personally, and you start encountering me, you're going to see some things you like, like, you know, I wish, I wish maybe I was a little more devoted, or I wish I had a little greater control, or I wish I understood this, but I've got this frustration in my life, and I kind of see a little bit of that. If I could put it in this term, I heard this story of a woman who saved up her whole life. She'd heard about cruises. She wanted to go on a cruise, saved up her money, and finally was on the cruise. And she, had, she was enjoying the ride. She was enjoying the, the atmosphere and the weather, and, and she would get off and go to the beaches. But every day she was like, but I'm saving up, I'm saving up. Because she would walk by the dining areas and she would walk by the different restaurants. And she goes, I, I can't wait till the last night. And every day she'd go back to her cabin and she had crackers and a jar of peanut butter. And she would eat the crackers and peanut butter. And although she was enjoying the cruise, she said, I can't wait to go the last night because I've saved up my money. I don't know how much it is, but I'm going to go eat the buffet. And the entire week she walks by the dining areas, by the desserts, by all this amazing food. And she goes the last night. And she walks into the dining room. They said, your name? And, and she said, oh, I, I haven't been in here yet. She said, well, what's your name? And they, she told her, and she said, oh, right this way, your table. And she sits at the table and they start bringing this out with this menu. But the menu had no prices. And she says, well, it must be hyper expensive. But I've saved up my money. And she eats everything she wanted to. And then she waits. And they're like, it's over. Can we get you anything else? She says, no, I, that was the most amazing meal in my life. But, but when, when do we pay? And they're like, it's included. You, you've already paid. She had gone the entire cruise, hoping, looking forward, walking by, restraining herself, and she missed it. And I believe when we don't know Christ, we're going through life missing it. We're missing the fulfillment he longs to give us throughout the entire life. If we're not connected in, in that encounter of seeing about him, he longs for us to see. And in the Old Testament, there was this... There was this tent, and it was an adventure, and it was, you know, what's keeping me from the fullness of life? Well, sin or the problems I have or the circumstances I'm in, but they had this tent of, of forgiveness and atonement. And there was this one place, though, that was the holy of holies. And just a minute, I'm, Chad's going to do a beautiful job of describing this, but it was the holy of holies. And they would get all they had and they would send one priest in to get the atonement. Check out the video on this of what that was like. Chad does a great job. Check it out. Well, welcome to Adventures with God. You know, God describes an incredible invitation to be on the inside to get access to the place that only VIPs have access. He describes that in a really unique way by designing this portable tent for his people to go on a 40-year camping trip together. Picture, for example, a, a glitzy nightclub. 
or maybe a, a red carpet event. That's the idea you want to have in mind here. And in order to get access to the backstage, you need access, you need a special list, you need a special invitation, or you need to, to know somebody who can get the bouncer to wave you on by, who can get you past that velvet rope. That's the idea here of getting access to that inner chamber God had for his people. Now, if you think about our camping metaphor, it's, it's like God wants to be a park ranger to show you where to camp where you won't find any scorpions or bears. He wants to be that wise Sherpa to teach you the secret route for getting access to the mountains. He wants to be your GPS to have you navigate the Appalachian Trail. That's the idea here God's getting at as he's teaching his people how to use him to have backstage pass. Now remember, it's been 400 years they've been in bondage. They've been slaves. And God is saying, join me in freedom. Join me in purpose. Join me. You're going to go from having no status as slaves to having ultimate status with me. So that's what he does. With the exodus in the rearview mirror, they move into freedom. And God says to them, I want to teach you my people, not just how to hang out with me, but how to have access to the backstage, a place he calls the Holy of Holies. Now, as we walk past the first curtain, we get to the VIP lounge, what they call the holy place. Not everyone had access to here. In fact, if you were a Gentile, you could hang out in the outer court. You had to be Jewish to be in here. And you had to be a priest. And you had to be from certain families to get inside this space. Hey, are you from the uh, tribe of Levi? Oh, sure, come on in. Uh, have you lived a perfect life? No. Well, did you at least wash properly because of it? No. Mm, restricted access. That's right, the only people that got in here met certain qualifications. But it was even harder to get into the VIP of the VIP lounge back here, what they called the Holy of Holies. There was another curtain to get past. It was like three to six inches thick. No one got back there. It was for the few. It was for someone called the high priest. And he could only get back there once a year. And only if he'd washed accordance to certain rituals. Yep, you had to be a member to get into that club. You had to be a Levite, a priest. You had to go at the right time in the right place. Well, that is until Jesus. Here's what's fascinating. Jesus gives everyone access with his backstage pass based on his credentials. No longer do you have to be Jewish. You can be a Gentile and get back here. You don't have to be a priest to get back here. You don't have to be a high priest to get back here. You get back here based on his credentials, not your own. Now everyone can talk directly to God, experience his comfort, his forgiveness. You don't have to go through a priest or a high priest to have access to God's presence and guidance in your life. In the account, the biography of Jesus' life, there's a really interesting reading in Matthew chapter 27. Right when Jesus is dying, here's what happens. It says, Jesus cried out with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit on the cross. Then, at that moment, behold, the veil, the curtain, of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. See what he's saying? That curtain, this one that represented the difference between the VIP of VIP lounges and the VIP lounge, was ripped down the middle. Jesus was saying that now everyone has access to my Father. Everyone has access to his presence because of what I've done. And God's credentials, Jesus' credentials, he offers freely to anyone who asks 
of him. So God not only wants us to encounter him, he wants us to engage him. He came, his motive was to reconcile the situation. I had heard some theologians talk about that priest would for a great deal of time cleanse himself and go through all the rituals. But when they went back there, this theologian had said they would tie a rope to the priest's leg. And then if he went in there and if, if after a while they realized, wow, he was not holy enough, the presence of God would just, he would be dead in God's presence. They would drag him out. Now, I don't want to go into that situation. But the coolest part was is that as he shared there in Matthew 25, when Jesus died on the cross and it is finished, that veil was torn. In other words, God says everybody has access, not because of what you do, but because of what Christ did. Now, I don't know how you were growing up, but when I was first contemplating and encountering God, um, I was asked this question, what, why should God let you in to heaven? Why should God accept you? And I, would, I did what I think a lot of people did. So, well, I'm pretty good. I'm a pretty good person. And then I had to ask the question, well, what is good and what is bad? And who defines that? And, and then I realized, well, maybe the Bible is just all about this huge book of rules. And dang, I don't know if I'm that good. But I think I'm pretty good. And then I look at Jesus uh, talking about it. If you even think a bad thought, that's murder. If you look lustfully, that's adultery. I'm like, God, that's, that standard's way high. And then, then if we're really thinking about the whole good-bad thing, and if it was the good-bad thing, and it's a scale and everything in our life, and we stand before God and he puts everything we did good and everything we did bad on a scale. And, man, I hope I'm good enough. What would happen if we got there and pff, we missed by one? Wouldn't that stink? Like, man, if I didn't cuss in third grade, I'd be in? That's really, that's it? But Jesus said, no, 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 I'm going to give you a standard, and I'm going to make it really clear. And in Leviticus, back in this time where there was the tent, three times it says, you have to be holy, for I am holy. The only way in is to be holy, perfect. Well, man, we're done at that point. But God knows that. He says, well, will you engage me? One, the first reality you're going to face is that I, I'm not good enough. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote a majority of the New Testament, if you think all the guys in there, oh, they're all super spiritual, I love the struggle he had in the book of Romans where he's like, Lord, I, I, what I want to do, what I know I should do, I don't do that. What I know I shouldn't do, oh, I'm doing that. And he's like, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this? Because I really do want to do good, and I don't. And I really want to think great thoughts, but there's that one guy, and I, I hate him. And that's murder, and who can save me? And he says, thanks be to God that he sent Jesus. And when we engage him, I love the first verse of that next chapter in Romans where it says, therefore there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I'm not condemned to sin and I'm not condemned by sin. I'm not condemned to keep thinking that and God is over time going to perfect me. I'm not perfect but he's going to work on my mind and my heart and he's going to, once I engage him, he's going to start changing me just by being in his presence, just by walking through that because I know I don't belong. Years ago, I had done some events with uh, different teams in the NBA, and I was down in Orlando, 
And uh, my friend who's an executive with them, he says, come on back here. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't have the pass. And he's like, you're fine. Just, just stay with me. And we're walking through the locker rooms. And I met Shaquille O'Neal, and I'm like, great to meet you. And, and he is massive. His hand was like the size of my arm. And, and I, at the time, they were playing the Suns. And I've never, I don't know why I remember this, but Charles Barkley was playing then. And he had a guy who shaved his head for him. And he's getting his head shaved, and he's like, what's up? And I was just like, that's just weird. But <laughs> as I'm walking through, I'm noticing all this stuff. And I guess I'd gotten a little enamored. And, and somebody said, excuse me. Who are you and why are you here? And I said, oh, uh, uh, I'm, and before I could answer, my friend Roy, the executive, he just said, um, hey, Bill. And Bill looked up. He says, he's with me. He says, oh, good to see you. I'm Bill and I'm, I'm Ken. He's, he's with me. See, when we engage Jesus, that's it. We go places that we didn't know before. We see life in a way it, we didn't see it before. But when I'm with Jesus, it makes all the difference. If I could put it this way, uh, a time, I want you to imagine one of the most powerful countries in the world. I want you to think of the leader of that country. And like a lot of countries, that leader is going to have his own place, his own capital or palace. And this leader had that. And if you and I wanted to get in there, we, we probably couldn't. We would have to have a lot of reason and a very good reason to be in there. But even if we did have a reason, there would be background checks. And even if we did get an invitation, we would have to go through a protocol once we got there to get past the gated area just to get into the, the compound where the building was. And everybody had to go through that. At this particular time, it was very tumultuous. There was an impending attack from another country. And everybody was screened. Everybody had to go through the different checkpoints. Everybody would walk by the, the secret service, even standing there to get into the chamber, to get into the door, with two exceptions. John. John can just go as he pleased. He would run around. And Carol, his sister, they would just run around. And they, they would run past the guards and past the protocol unnoticed. And, and they would literally, at several occasions, it's documented, they would go past the outer into the inner room while the leader was meeting with generals and foreign dignitaries. And the leader would stop the meeting, excuse me one second, and John and Carol would run and jump into his lap. See, John and Carol were JFK's children, and they had full access, and everybody knew who they were. And they were never stopped and they were never questioned because they were the children of the president. It's one of the few times that our country had little kids in the, in the White House. But see, that's the access God gives us. He says, I've torn the veil. I, I not only want you to encounter me, I want you to engage me. Because of his, his, final, his final motive is probably seen greatest throughout Scripture. And if you're here this morning, and it appears like most of you are, but you've never heard the reality that God not only wants us to encounter him, but to engage him. Why? Because the final motive is that he wants us to enjoy life and life to the full, regardless of the circumstance. See, God longs and Jesus came to help with everything. 
Everything, every part of life, family, relations, finances, jobs, you name it, that's why he came. He says, I want to help you in everything. We were talking afterwards and in Scripture you're thinking, you know, financially I'm, I'm secure but I, I'm not fulfilled. Well, there's over 2,000 verses in Scripture about finances. And I was just in my quiet time, and I heard a pastor last week who took us to 1 Timothy and in the 6th chapter, and there was a verse he didn't hit on, but it was just like, well, it says, don't put your hope in finances or money. It says, put your hope in God, who longs to give everything you need for your enjoyment. Wow. He says, stop focusing on a lifestyle and start focusing on life. And I want to help you find that. I want to help you get there to that life part. This next four weeks on Sunday night and Monday mornings um, for men, now the women, y'all study is going to be phenomenal. And it's not that some of the greatest women, and I'm going to share these four decisions, and two of them, women are actually more natural and better at than men. But in this time, I've spent the last 30 years speaking and performing. I do comedy and I do some speaking. And, and I've met some incredible leaders in business and sports and all these and and not just met them but had dinners and conversations and it's blown my mind as I've asked them about their story how these these same ideas kept coming up and I realized they weren't abilities but they were decisions these people just naturally make and we're going to unpack those but over the years I could pick any category of my life and if it was at that time I'm like Lord I'm really I'm frustrated here or man I'm really hurting here and God says okay engage me in that because I want you to enjoy that I don't want you just to endure it just to get through it get past it I, I want you to enjoy it well Lord I am a long way from enjoying it yeah the key is me I want to show you. I want to share with you two verses that are my favorites. In, in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are perfect and got it together. That's not what he says. He says, Come to me, all who are burdened and weary. Now, I want you to think for just a second, what part of your life is burdened and weary? Because God wants to take that and show you enjoy me. He says, And I will give you rest. Take my yoke. In other words, yoke in with me. Let's get together and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and, I, and you will find rest for your soul. But we have to yoke in. He puts it this way. I don't know if you've ever been walking down a street or maybe through a mall, and you smell an aroma, and you just think, oh, I have to have that. That just smells so great. And what if somebody said, hey, have you been to that restaurant? Oh, I have. Oh, did you try the such and such? No, but I smelled it. What, what, but did you have it? Did you go get it? Did you eat it? Well, no, but it's the same thing. No, it's not. When you sit and you eat it, that's when it ends. And, and Jesus says this in my, one of my favorite Psalm 34. He says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And blessed are those who take refuge in him. It's not just an encounter with him. It's an engagement with him that makes the difference. And when we start engaging him in any area of life, it, that's when we start discovering how to enjoy it to the full. And if we'll, we'll get to that point where, you know what? If you're a man and you're thinking the next week, you don't have to be at all four, but I'm, I'm going to guarantee you these next four weeks, if, if you'll make at least as many as you can, 
that's the process God's going to use to go, hey, you engage, you come and engage me, I'm going to, I'm going to show you how to walk through this. Because these four critical decisions were ones that God showed me he thought of them. And no matter where we are, they're going to help us in that. But to move from, from frustration to fulfillment, the, the factor in the middle is Christ himself and that relationship with him. And that's kind of where I wanted to end this this morning is the idea of, of enjoyment starts with Jesus. It starts with that curtain being torn apart. It starts with us realizing I'm not good enough on my own. And I've tried it, but I, I really want that fulfillment. Well, Jesus is a gentleman, and I, I remember being 13 years old and hearing about that and going, okay, I get that, but how does it work? There's a great verse in Revelation, chapter 3, verse 20. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. If anybody opens the door, I will come in. I will come in. And I will sup with you. He's like, in other words, I want to get intimately in your world. And you're like, well, what, what does that mean? It's really not a, a magic word or a magic prayer. It's really us in our hearts realizing what's true. I mentioned Romans earlier. It's a book that Paul wrote about his frustration. And he says, here's the way it is. When you get to that point, and in, in Romans 10, 9, he says, if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, God, you are God. You're the creator. You came to be a man, and your spirit is here. I believe that Jesus was who he said he was. And you believe in your heart God raised him from the dead you will be saved. I prayed a simple prayer. I said, God, I know you're real, and I want that in my life. I didn't know what I was doing. I was praying. I was just talking to God. Turns out that's what prayer is. And once we pray that, we move from that holy of holies to a beautiful verse in Hebrews where it says, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. See, we don't belong there because of what we do, but what Jesus did. And when we confess that, in the book of John, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, it's one of the first ones. He says that to as many as receive him, those he gives the right to be called the children of God. My encouragement to you this morning, if you've never made that decision, it's a decision of the heart. Follow me on this. I would encourage you, if you haven't done it yet, do it right now. Because he's knocking. And it is the greatest decision to find joy and fulfillment in this life. Let me pray and then I want you to enjoy this last song and let God speak to your heart. Father, thank you that you love us. And that life is an adventure of ups and downs. But Lord, when you are with us and we draw near to you and we turn to you. Not just encounter but engage you and say, God help in this. You move us from being confused, frustrated, to enjoying life and life to the full. Thank you for your motives and help us to enjoy what you created us for. In the name of Jesus, we can pray. Amen. Well, we're so glad you joined us today on, uh, on the uh, online and here in the chapel and outside. Uh, this concludes the uh, Adventures with God series. We're starting a brand new series called Taylor Made next week. We hope uh, you can let uh, God's light and love come in through that door. Have a great afternoon.